you have your Bible, I want to ask you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I pray you do have your Bible this morning. It's, uh, it's one place you can bring the Word of God and nobody will complain. I won't berate you if you bring a Bible. I might knock you over the head if you don't. No, no, I wouldn't do that. My wife would, but I wouldn't. If you have your Bible, please, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And I want us to get right into the Word of God this morning. And uh, on the very outset, you're going you're gonna, to, after we read the text and pray, you're going to think, what in the world is this guy doing? Uh, when you see the title of my message this morning, but I pray that it will, as I said earlier, it will not only be an encouragement, but that it would be a challenge to each and every one of us this morning. And so let's draw our attention to what the Word of God has to say, beginning in verse number 1. And the Bible says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Now stop right there. I want you to understand what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He's speaking to the church in Corinth, and he says... Concerning the collection for the saints, he's talking about missions support. He's not talking about the tithe. He's not talking about anything. He's talking about the offering that they took up for the saints at Jerusalem who were worse off than they were. And so this is what you have to understand contextually what he's saying here as we read on. In verse number 2, he says, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store... As God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever ye shall approve by your letters, them will I send to bring your liberality unto Jerusalem. He says, I'm going to send them to take what you give unto those saints in Jerusalem. Now watch, continue. He says, now I will come unto you, verse 5, when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now, by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door and effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. That's pretty important to understand. There's still many adversaries today. To the work of the Lord. Would you agree? All you have to do is open up your eyes and look around. There are many adversaries. Look at verse number 10. He says, Now if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he worketh the work of the Lord, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me, for I look for him with the brethren." As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time, but he will come when he shall have convenient time. Notice what the Bible says beginning in verse number 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. That word charity means let it be done with love in action. Put, we talk a lot about love, but... Let actually, the word love, let it actually be seen through your actions is what Paul is telling this church. Watch, he continues, he says, I beseech you, brethren, you know that the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and laboreth. I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, 
For that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. For they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that it is truth. That we can rely on your word in a world that is unreliable. Lord, that we can draw close to you today. And we have a promise that if we draw close to you, that you will draw close to us. Lord, I pray that you'll be with my words and my thoughts and my actions, that they might bring you honor and glory on this day. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody who is watching online and, and worshiping with us, Lord, I pray that you would speak to those hearts that do not have a relationship with you just yet. But God, through the preaching and teaching of your word and the wooing of the Holy Spirit, that today might be that great day of salvation for someone. Lord, I pray for those who are believers, those who are Christ followers, that today they would be challenged like never before. As we see the days waxing worse and worse, Lord, help us to be more biblically minded. Help us to be purposed biblically to go out and to reach our world with the love and the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'll have your will in your way today and always. And I pray this in the precious name of your dear son and for his sake. Amen and amen. Well, I kind of alluded to it when I started uh, to welcome you this morning, but it seems as if people everywhere in the year 2020 are losing their mind. Am I right? <laughs> everywhere I go, it's like, this guy has lost his crazy mind. What is going on in our society? What is going on in northern Virginia? I mean, Virginia has been on a slippery slope for many years, but we have lost our mind. And you know what? I'd say that many of the people in the churches have lost their mind. And so today, I want to suggest to you, lose your mind. You say, hold on, are you serious? Yeah, I want to suggest to each and every one of us here in this room today, those who are worshiping online, how about let's lose our mind? You know that we can lose our mind in a way that's biblical? And I believe that we can lose our mind in a way that actually brings honor and glory to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so today, as you look at the title of the slide, and yes, it says lose your mind, I want to speak to you about the idea of losing your mind today. Notice with me back in our text in verse number 15, and maybe you'll get a drift of what I'm talking about. In verse number 15, the Apostle Paul, he commending, he's commending a family here who has lost their mind for the ministry. Notice what he says. Look again in verse number 15. He says, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus. That is the first fruits of Achaia. He said, these are the first ones who trusted Jesus. These are the first ones who believed. By the way, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse number 16, you'll actually find out that Paul actually, he's talking about the ones that he baptized. He says, and in fact, in context, he says, I'm glad that I didn't baptize any of you except for the house of Stephanus. If you go over there and you can find out. So you see what Paul thinks about the Stephanus and his family. And it says here, it says, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have, noticed this word, he says that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 
That's crazy, isn't it? He says, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Do you know that the Greek word there, translated in English as the word addicted, is the word tazo. And it actually means this. It means to arrange in an orderly manner. Watch this. To arrange in an orderly manner, to dispose, devote, or give oneself wholly or completely to something. And so Paul says, hey... This family over here has devoted themselves. They have given themselves completely. They have addicted themselves to something. And that something is something that is very good. The ministry of the saints. Oh yes, the idea of this word means to appoint, to determine, or to ordain one's self to a task. They had addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Let me ask you, ask you a question. Have you ever addicted yourselves to the ministry of the saints? And it's very quiet in this room. This is what Paul said about this family. He says, hey, and, and by the way, if you look at verse 16 and, and go on, he says that ye submit yourselves unto such and that every one that helpeth with us and laboreth. He says, listen, Submit yourself to this idea of this family who has addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints is what he's talking about. Oh, listen, medically speaking, when we think about addictions, they're typically negative in nature. And essentially, the word addict means someone who has become a slave to a habit or deeply devoted and very enthusiastic follower or advocate of something. In fact, I thought I'd get very medical and so I looked up in the, uh, in the Tabor's Medical Dictionary, and this is what it says about addiction. It says it is a compulsive dependence. Watch this. Compulsive means that it's not changing. It's, 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 they don't have a choice. It's a compulsive, watch, dependence on a substance or behavior. The dependence is typically has adverse psychological, physical, economical, social, and legal ramifications. They go on to explain that an addict is someone who cannot control the need or craving for a substance or behavior. Now, you and I can talk till we're blue in the face whether we think certain addictions are sinful or not. But most addictions, when we think about addictions, we typically think they're negative in nature. And honestly, in 2020, everywhere we look, we see addiction. We see addiction to things that people don't even recognize as addictions. Do you know, I was thinking yesterday, I had to point the finger at myself, and I said, I have to be careful that I don't become addicted to this little thing called coffee. Some of you are like, oh, ooh, got me. See, there's addictions, and, and, and the reality is when I think about addictions, everyone in this room, everybody watching, has probably been affected by an addiction, either your addiction or the addictions or habits of someone that you love and care about. Am I right? We all know somebody who has struggled with some form of addiction, and the reality is that sadly these addictions are destructive. They're negative in nature. Typically when we think about them, we think about people who have addictions to alcohol or drugs. We think about people who have food addictions. We think about people who have addictions to sports and gambling, sexual addictions, pornographic addictions. Do you know that I would even suggest that there are some in 2020 who have addictions to social media? Believe me, I know you. I see you. You're like, oh, which one am I? Which one? 
I may not post a lot, but I look a lot. You guys, you're like, I've been following you, Pastor Greg, since 2013. You've only put two posts out on Instagram. Well, don't follow me if you're upset with me. I probably won't put out anything on Instagram for another seven years either. Right? And it's like, I, I follow you on Twitter, but you never say anything. You're right. I don't want to get caught up in the fray. I don't want to say that I like uh, banana pudding because someone might get mad that I don't like uh, coconut cream pie or, or whatever the case is. I mean, it's crazy today. But the sad thing is, as I looked at the American medical community, what they were saying about addictions, notice, notice what they're saying about addictions. They said that people with addictions need an increased level of you fill in the blank. Right? If you have an addiction, fill in the blank. They say that people need an increased level of whatever it is to maintain the feeling. They say that people with addictions are obsessed, again, with whatever it is, fill in the blank. Right? It's like real easy. Just fill in the blank. And that's what they're addicted to. And then the point is that it's uncontrollable. They've gotten so far down the path of this addiction that they can't control themselves. The, the, the urge is always constant. It's always hitting them. It's always pulling them. They go on to say that people with addictions continually sneak in. My wife had to edit my, my notes on this because I had something that wouldn't sound great from the pulpit. It says they continually sneak in so-called quick fixes throughout the day. And you don't even know it. You don't even know it. People with addictions undergo a change in their appearance. I know this. I've seen family members who have been addicted to opioids. And I can look at their face and see their, their body has changed because they have given themselves over completely this compulsive desire to give themselves over to a substance that's controlling their mind, their body, and their actions. This is what addictions is all about. And you guys are like, this message is not going where we thought it was going to go. People with addictions go deeper and deeper. Even though we argue, fuss, and fight, even though we plead with our family members and friends, even though we beg and we pray, and it seems like they just continue to spiral further and further down the road of addiction, and we argue with them. Again, most addictions are destructive. They impact our lives. They impact the lives of our family and friends in a negative way. But here's the cool part. What if we flipped the script, so to speak. What if we took what Tabor's medical dictionary, what if we took what the medical community was saying about addictions and the addictions that we look at in a negative sense and we flipped the script and we looked at addictions from a biblical standpoint? You see, because I believe that there are some addictions that could be healthy, if you please. So I put this down based on what the medical community says. We can see that having addiction... Here's what it might look like if we had an addiction to ministry like the house of Stephanus. Notice what it might look like. It might look like uh, that we're not going to be satisfied with what we have or what we are doing for the Lord. I'm not satisfied. I got to do more. Hey, pastor, can I get up? The, can I mop the floor for Jesus? Yes, you can. There's a lot of floor to mop. Pastor, can I come up there and cut some bushes for Jesus? Yes, you can. Pastor, can I get some tracks and go out in my neighborhood and tell people about Jesus? Yes, you can. Pastor, can I serve in Awana? Uh, yes, you can. I like the acoustics in this room. Might be a problem over the next several weeks. 
You can get addicted to ministry. Watch this. Having any, the idea, if you didn't get it right there, is that if we have an addiction to ministry, we're going to want to do more and more. We're going to go greater and higher and do big things for Jesus. Oh, yes. Having addiction to ministry will cause us always to be thinking about and seeking ways to improve or to increase what we're doing for the Lord. By the way, if I look at what the medical community has to say about addictions in a negative sense, but I flip them on its end, and I look at it as far as addiction to ministry, I can also see that it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that's going to reveal itself in how we communicate with our family, with our friends, those at work, those at school. Even if you're at school through a Zoom conference, you know the way Zoom conference call, the way that you communicate even in that conference call, young people, is pretty important. You don't have to be ugly to your teacher. You don't have to, listen, I've had good teachers and I've had teachers that I like to forget. But you know what? You don't have to be ugly. You can be an encouragement even to your teachers. You can be an encouragement to other students. I know that every teacher thinks they're the greatest teacher since, you know, sliced bread, but that's not always the case, right? We can live a life that brings God honor and glory, a lifestyle that communicates and treats others well in our neighborhoods. Hello. Oh, and we might as well just throw this in our neighborhood of social media as well. Hello, we don't have to be angry. We don't have to fuss and feud and fight on print. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Hey, be careful to what you're putting out there because we are living in tenuous times. So let's be addicted to ministry. Having an addiction to ministry will cause us to remember that we are ambassadors for Christ. It matters how we present ourselves. You know, like I said, that I had relatives who their appearance changed when they were addicted to opioids and things like that. Do you know that the closer you get to Jesus, whether you like it or not, your appearance is going to change? You're not going to live the way you used to live. You're not even going to look the way you used to look. Because you see, when you lose your mind, in a biblical sense, another mind's going to be taken over. We're going to get there in just a second. Having an addiction to ministry means that we will not allow the criticism of others to phase us or to stop us from serving and giving to God. So what do we do in order to become addicted? We're going to need to do a few things. Number one, you're going to have to step out by faith. You're going to have to step out by faith and see what happens. You know, it was David who said in Psalm 34, verse 8, he said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is a man that trusteth in him. Oh, we'll never be addicted to ministry. I put down in my notes, you and I will never be addicted to ministry until we are first addicted to the Savior who set us free. You're not going to serve me or anyone else until you are addicted to the Savior that set you free, until you recognize that it was by the very work of Jesus Christ on the cross that set you free, you'll never be addicted to ministry. No matter how much you huff and puff, you know, like the, uh, the, the little nursery rhyme, I'll blow your house down, I'm going to huff and a puff. And no matter how much you huff and puff, you're never going to serve anybody else. You're never going to serve the Lord until you become addicted with the Lord. Oh, listen, we have to take a step of faith. We need to reflect on where we've come from. Remember the rock from which you were hewn and the pit from which you were dug. If you're going to be addicted to ministry, there always has to be a reflection of the old person. That doesn't mean that we look back, 
but that we just remember where we have come from through the power of the gospel. Develop a hunger for ministry and missions. By the way, the more that you serve and the more that you see God impacting other people's lives, the more that you're going to want to do it. Anybody who's ever coached upward basketball in here, raise your hand. Anybody who's served in Awana, raise your hand. Go ahead and keep them up. I want to see. Anybody who has taught a Sunday school class, raise your hand. Okay? How do you feel when somebody's life is changed and you can see it? Isn't it an amazing thing? When you can teach... I should use that term loosely. When you try to teach basketball... Because <laughs> other than you, brother, there's probably nobody teaching basketball... <laughs> Oh, we have one really, really great coach that knows what he's talking about in basketball. Everybody else, you know, we're just doing the best we can. But you know, it's not about the ball. It's about what takes place in the devotion time and when we present the gospel. And when you see a life changed, do you know that I had a kid on my upward basketball team that when I came back to Northern Virginia in 2012, I reconnected with this kid. I didn't even remember him. I mean, he had changed. I mean, this kid at this time, he's probably like 19, 20 years old. And I was like, I was like, something familiar about this guy. And some of you remember this story. And uh, he worked down the street here at Spatoni's. And uh, so I used to go in and get a sandwich or a piece of pizza or something. And, and I'd hear this kid, and he was always talking about uh, how angry he was with the church and how angry he was with God and, and all these things. And, and I thought, you know, I'm just going to just going to slowly kind of encourage him. And so we started talking, and over time, he let me, he kind of let me in. By the way, if you go in like gangbusters, they might shut the door in your face. So you got to build that relationship. So I slowly built the relationship with him, and uh, he finally let me in. And, and uh, I said, I, one day I was getting ready to walk out of Spatonius. I said, I said, I said, you and I, I said, I know you from somewhere. Now here's the crazy thing. This kid knew exactly who I was. He had never forgotten. It was just me in, in my mind. He said, yeah, you, used, you coached my upward basketball team when I was uh, in third grade. And I'm sure that I shared the gospel. So I'm thinking, why is this guy so angry? I said, I said tell me a, something. I said, why, why do I sit here every time I come in, I hear you talking about Jesus and how angry you are with the church. And he says, man, I, I, I'm just done with church. I'm done with it. That's what we're seeing in 2020. A lot of people have decided they're done with the church. Let me just tell you something. Whether you're at home or you're in this room, Jesus died for the church. So don't be done with the church because he's the one that died for the church. So I listened to him. He says, go to this YouTube address and watch this YouTube video and you'll see why I'm so angry. I said, okay. So I went and I watched this video and it was this guy and he was, he was a rapper and he was, he was going through this whole rap, and I watched him, and, and uh, he was talking about, and in the middle of the song, he says in his rap, I love the church because Jesus died for the church. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got him. So I went back into the pizza shop, and I went back in, and I said, I said hey, man, I watched that YouTube video uh, you gave me, you know, the, the address, and he says, what? You watched it? I said, yeah. I said, it was amazing. <laughs> he started laughing. He says, do you like rap music? I said, well, I said, it was pretty cool. I said, I don't listen to rap music all the time, but I said, it was pretty cool. And he says, I said, but it was an amazing song. 
And he says, really, why was it amazing? I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and listen to it yourself. I said, since you had me listen to it, I'm asking you to go back and listen to it yourself. And so next time I went into Spontoni's, before I could even get through the door, he goes, no, 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 I know what you're talking about. And I said, I said, I said, what? He said, I watched it, and then I rewound it and watched it again. He said, the rapper says he loves the church because Jesus died for the church. I said, hello, McFly. <laughs> Back to the future reference. I said, I said, yeah. I said, it's pretty cool. Now, the rest of the story is I invited him to our first Christmas Eve service. I had just become pastor. It was November 2013. He brought his mom. He brought his mom to our Christmas Eve service. And he sat down real close to the front. And when I gave the invitation, this boy looks at me and he says, I need Jesus. And he trusted Jesus as his Savior. Oh, listen, guys. We have to be very careful. We have to develop a hunger for ministry. And when you go through an experience like that, Sonny, when you see somebody on the job trusting Christ from a track, it gets you excited. It gets you pumped up. Oh, listen, you got to develop that hunger if you want to be addicted to ministry. You need to rely on the sufficiency of Jesus Christ to give you all the time and the abilities and the resources that you need. Listen, he's never, never, never let me down. And he'll never let you down. And when problems arise, by the way, they will. We need to seek more fellowship, more prayer, and more worship, not less. We need to seek more, 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 not less. And David wrote in Psalm 42, verse number 1 and 2, he said, As the heart or the deer panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Listen, and you may be sitting there and you may say, hey, this all sounds good, Pastor Greg. I mean, addictions, this is what the medical community says. If we flip it over, we can see how we can put it into practice. This all sounds good. But let me just tell you this. In order to cultivate an addiction to ministry, you're going to have to lose your mind. You're going to have to lose your mind and let it be replaced with the mind of Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 10, I love that passage, it's where James and John, and they actually bring their mother, you know, sons of Zebedee, they bring their mom to Jesus. Some of you may remember the passage in John chapter 10, they come to Jesus and they say, oh, 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 uh, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, he says, no, guys, you really don't know what you're asking. And if you read that passage, you actually know that the other disciples, they do what? They get a little angry. They get a little angry that James and John, they're like, oh my gosh, who are they? Look at them. They're going, going up to Jesus, asking them what they can have. We have to be careful that we don't do that all the time. Hey, Jesus, I'll trust you if you give me, give me, give me. Right? That's not why we trust Jesus. We trust Jesus because we are sinners headed for an eternity separated from God. Not because he's got some kind of benefit package. By the way, he's got a lot of benefits. But that's not why we trust him. Be like, oh, I want to get in on those benefits. Oh, that's great. But we first must recognize our condition. And so notice Jesus says at the beginning of Mark chapter 10, look at verse 42 and, and following, and, and I'll just read it. But Jesus called them. He calls all the disciples to him, and he saith unto them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. 
and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. See, if you want to be great, Jesus says you got to be a minister. you got to be a servant. you got to be addicted to ministry, so to speak. Now watch, he continues on. He says, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest or the greatest shall be servant of who? All. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I say it, and every time I do a wedding ceremony, Mark and Christina, I remember even saying it in your wedding ceremony. Um, typically, when I address the husband, I talk about the husband and David and Leslie and so many others that I've had the privilege to officiate their wedding. I say to the husband that you're making a decision to love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And usually in that passage, you guys may remember that I always talk about the fact that everything Jesus did, he did it in humble obedience to the Father, and he did it for the benefit of others. And so I usually tell husbands, listen, if you're going to love your wife, even as Christ loved himself, loved the church and gave himself for it, then you're always going to have to act for her benefit. That's a novel thought, gentlemen. But anyway, that's, that's biblical. And, and so what I see is Jesus is saying the exact same thing. He says, I didn't come to be ministered unto, but I came to actually minister unto you. This is why I was sent. Turn with me in your Bible to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Why don't you see a couple of things? In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul writing to a church, and you're going to notice he's talking about some things right away. Here, look with me in verse number 1. Verse number 1 and following. Paul says, If there be uh, therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, verse 2, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of how many minds? Church, we need to be of one mind. That's talking about unity. Unity within the family of God. Watch. He says, be of one mind. Verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That's, that's speaking of ministry. Esteeming someone better, someone else better than yourself, since, since Paul also tells the church at Ephesus that no man yet ever hated his own flesh, to love someone else, to put somebody else's needs above your own, that's called ministry. And so uh, let's continue on. Verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. That's ministry again. Notice verse number 5. Paul says, let this what? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind? He says, the mind of Christ. Verse 6 who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. What humility. Continuing on in verse uh, number 8, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so what Paul is saying here to the church at Philippi, he's saying, hey, listen, guys, I need you guys to understand that you need to... I want you to walk in unity. I want you to walk in humility. I want you to walk in obedience. But in order to do these things, you're going to have to have the mind of Christ. You're going to have to lose your mind and let it be replaced 
with the mind of Christ. This is what he's saying. He says, you need to appropriate the mind of Christ. The mind that made himself of no reputation. The mind that took upon himself the form of a servant. The mind that humbled himself. The mind that became obedient even unto the death of the cross. Oh yes, it was a mind filled with sacrifice. This is what Paul is saying to the church at Philippi. Listen, folks. The mind must die to self and we must live completely for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's by the way, that's really a non-negotiable. That's not a Pastor Greg theory. That's biblical. We must die to self and live for Jesus Christ. I tell people all the time that if you want to have the mind of Christ... You remember? Get into the mind of Christ. If you want to have the mind of Christ, you're going to have to crack the seal on the mind of Christ because in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. You'll never have the mind of Christ until you actually have the mind of Christ. What's interesting to me, it's kind of crazy, I think about things differently, is that Paul actually commended the addiction of Stephanus and his family and why it's interesting to me is because Paul actually knew something about addictions. Paul actually knew something about addictions. You know, when they called him Saul, he was addicted to what? He was addicted to persecuting Christians. That was his addiction. In fact, if you remember the story, he's on his way to Damascus. He's on the road to Damascus. He's ready to go get more Christians. He's addicted to tearing down the church. He's addicted to creating havoc in the lives of believers. And so if somebody knew about being addicted to something, it was the Apostle Paul. But when I think about his addiction, I remember also in Acts chapter 26, after many times we get to the point where Paul is giving his testimony before King Agrippa. You remember this? And King Agrippa, he stands up and he says, hey, I'm not, I'm not fearful. I'm going to tell you exactly what happened to me. And so he starts to give his testimony to King Agrippa. And in verse 16, he actually tells Agrippa what Jesus actually said to him. Notice what Paul says. He says these words. Jesus said, rise, stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. What was the purpose that Paul said Jesus appeared to him? Look, it's right there. To make thee a what? He said, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in which I will appear unto these. Listenly, Paul was declaring to Agrippa that on that road to Damascus, Jesus had essentially appeared to him and said, listen, you got to lose your mind, you got to trust in me, and you got to start honoring me. A change must take place in your life. And if you know the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey said, that's exactly what happened. Paul went from being addicted to persecuting Christians to going everywhere and telling everyone, Jew and Gentile alike, he was telling everyone about Jesus. Oh, listen, in Ephesians 3 and also in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, he actually tells the churches at Ephesus and Colossus that he had been made a minister or a servant, if you please. Before Jesus Christ came into Paul's life, Paul was a servant of darkness. After Jesus comes in, he is a beacon of light. He's not the light, but he is a beacon of that light. You may recall last week I shared how the Apostle Paul 
had said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. See, see, Paul says, my mind has been replaced. I lost my mind a while ago, and it's been replaced with the mind of Christ. He says, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. He says, the thing that regulates my mind, the thing that regulates my mouth, the thing that regulates my actions, the thing that regulates my thought life, and on and on, Paul says, is Jesus Christ. He says, I'm not my own. I understand I've been bought with a price. I also understand that I'm going to glorify God in my body, which is the Lord's. See, Paul understood that a change had been wrought in his life. He says, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you're still at Philippians chapter 2, look right across the page at Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul reveals that he had lost his mind to Jesus as well. In this chapter, look in verse 7 and following. He says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. What is Paul talking about? If you read the first six verses, Paul's talking all about his pedigree. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. He's been taught. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, one of the smartest men ever. He's learned the law. He is... He is uh, he was addicted to the law, if you please. He was walking in that law. And so notice what he says. He says, those things which were gained to me, those I counted for loss. He says, verse 8, yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellence and knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him having not my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith look at verse 10 why did he lose his mind that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable or like unto his death if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead Paul had tried things his way have you ever tried things your way? No, I have. <laughs> you ever tried things your way? You're like, hey, God, I'm gonna, God, I'm gonna take care of this one. Gotcha. You just take a break today. I mean, I know you're busy. You're dealing with my wife, and and so you know she's got a lot of problems. And so, God, I'm just gonna take this off your plate today. And you think you're doing God a favor, and He's like going, Oh my goodness gracious, this guy is gonna have a train wreck in his life. You know, Paul tried things his own way, and they came up empty time and time again. Do you know that the law was insufficient? It was insufficient. It was unsatisfactory to subdue the sin of Paul's soul. Man, but cool thing. Once he connects with Jesus Christ, all things changed. Things changed. His life began to change. You see, Paul had lost his mind for Jesus Christ. His mind was now made up. That Jesus Christ and him crucified was so important. Remember last week, I was talking to you about how Paul said he was a debtor. He was ready to preach the gospel. And that he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What happened to change his mind? I think the Bible gives us an answer. And this is where I close. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. And we wrap up the message in Romans chapter 12. Because I think Scripture gives us an answer of how Paul's life was transformed because he says the same thing to the church at Rome. Look at, 
verse number one and two, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. But continue on. He says in verse number two, and be not, watch it, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice the phrase there, be not conformed to this world. The word conformed is a compound word that's actually taken from two other Greek words, and it actually means this. You've got it on the screen. There it is. It means this. It means to put on the form, the fashion, or appearance of another. So in Romans 12, 2, you and I got a choice. Paul says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got a choice. You're either going to conform to the image of this world, or you're going to conform to the image of Jesus Christ. In fact, in Romans chapter 8, in verse 29, the Bible reminds us that as it was predestined from God, God's desire is for you and I to conform to the image of His dear Son. In 1 Peter 1, Peter writes to those dispersed Jews of yesteryear, and he says in verse 14 and 15, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust of your ignorance. That phrase there, not fashioning, do not conform, do not be like the old you. And you know, isn't that hard? It's hard to not be like the old you. Because the old you keeps creeping in, doesn't it? The old you, you think, oh, God doesn't see me. Yes, he does. He saw you before you trusted him. He sees you after. A lot of people think, oh, I got saved. God doesn't worry with me anymore. Oh, you're fooling yourself. Oh, he's most concerned with his children today. Notice it says, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, that speaking of your and my conduct. In everything that we think, everything that we say, everything that we do, he said that we are to be holy as he which has called us is holy. And the only way that we'll do that is if we lose our mind. You want to know why? Because God's thoughts and God's ways are not my thoughts and my ways. i got to lose my mind. See, because many times the way of a man might seem right, but the Bible says it's the way of death. See, it's so incredibly important. I love how Scripture confirms Scripture. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15... We're instructed to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, I think the reason that this verse is important is because my mind tends to love the things of the world. I tend to love, uh, I tend to love barbecue. In fact, I had some barbecue on a baked potato yesterday. Man, mmm, mmm. I tend to love the convenience that we have in this country that quite honestly I think we've taken for granted. Hello? <laughs> just look at where we're sitting. Well, it's just a gymnasium. Really? This room has been used to see souls saved for years and years and years and years. Young people, children, teenagers, adults, 
lives have been changed in this facility. Not like there's something spooky or magical about this facility, but you know what? For 40 years, this place on a hill has continued, and by God's grace, we're going to continue preaching the gospel and the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen. And lives are changed. We've been so blessed. Oh, listen. I think about years ago, and I think I put it in here. Travis and I were playing with this earlier this week before a little one came along. I do some crazy things. Anybody know what this is? This is called, this was the greatest toy ever. I think it came out, I don't even know. I didn't even research it, so forgive me. But I feel like it came out in the 1980s. 70s? Even before it? You know what this is? That's called Silly Putty. I remember when I was a kid, we got this Silly Putty. You guys like Silly Putty? Well, I can bounce it. I can do all these things. But the really cool thing about Silly Putty you remember? Oh, yeah, Kathy's got it. Yeah, so watch. I can, I can take the silly putty, and I can press it on something. Well, there go my notes. <laughs> and the idea, well, you can't see it from here, but the idea is that those notes transfer on to my silly putty. So I could preach a whole message with silly putty. I'd be like, that's amazing. I think that me and you, we're a lot like silly putty. See, we have to be careful what we're smushing ourselves up against. See, some of us do this. Babe, I'm going to do this with very careful. We walk. Maybe I won't. I'm going to step in a little bit. <laughs> this leg started wobbling as soon as I got out there. We walk a tightrope with sin in the world. It won't hurt. We kiss the world of sin and Satan, and then we back up. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Hey, would you come to Missions Revival? I got time. I, I, I got stuff busy over here. We, would you serve the Lord? Uh, maybe next year after I retire. I'm going to do big things for Jesus when I retire. No, you won't. If you're not doing big things for Jesus now, don't, don't tell me. Pastor Skinner, you say that all the time. Don't come up to me and tell me you're going to do big things for Jesus in two years after you retire. Because if you're not doing big things for Jesus now, you're not going to do big things for Jesus then. But this is what we do. We're like, oh, it feels good over here. Silly putty. We push ourselves up against the world. And just like those addictions that we were talking about from the medical community, just like silly putty, right? We smush ourselves up against the world, and then you look at the silly putty, and we start to appear like the world. My admonition to you is to smush yourself up to Jesus. And start looking like Jesus. Start thinking like Jesus. Start... Speaking like Jesus, start acting like Jesus. And in order to do that, you're going to have to lose your mind and let it be replaced with the mind of Christ. Paul said, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at verse 2. This, this, this phrase, renewing your mind, literally speaks about a radical change that is taking place in the inner man. And the process moves from the new birth to the mind to the new man. You have to start with knowing Jesus. And then you start to develop. You start to get into God's Word. You start to see what God has to say. And then 
your life is transformed. It's an amazing thing. But biblically, the process of renewing our mind only happens when the transformation process begins. Look at the other two words, and then I close. In verse number two, if I can get the silly putty closed. In verse number two, look at the word transformed. The word transformed is a compound word again, taken from two Greek words, and it means to change, to transfigure, to transform. You remember when Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, and he was changed, and they saw him. They couldn't believe what was taking place. And then Peter, he makes a, a crazy uh, uh, suggestion. Jesus, no, 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 Peter, I love you, but just zip it for a second. It means to transfigure and transform in order to lose our mind. Look at the word renewing. This is the most significant word in this verse because without understanding what this word renewing means here in this passage, without understanding what it means, it will be difficult to really grasp what God is actually trying to say in this verse. When translated into English, this word literally means how cool on the first Sunday in the gymnasium that I finish with this word. It means to renovate or renovation. Do you know that when you renovate a house, a building, a sanctuary, you have to demolish the parts that you no longer want? Let that set in for a second. In order to renovate, you say, I've been playing church, I've been talking to Jesus, you know, I talk to him every once in a while, and we get along sometimes, and sometimes we don't. No, in order to lose your mind and let it be replaced with the mind of Christ, you're going to have to be willing to demolish some things in your life. You're going to have to tear it out. And more often than not, it's going to be with some effort. I can tell you that the renovation process is underway and on Tuesday morning when I walked into this place, I was like, because there's a lot of effort going on. But these guys are moving around, flying like 100 miles a minute. And I was like, what is going on? And I went to the, went to the superintendent, Larry, we, a bunch of us did. We went and said, uh, just joking, we changed our mind. Can you put it all back? In order to renovate our minds, we're going to have to be willing to demolish the parts, tear them out, the things that we don't want. We're going to have to demolish. We're going to have to lose the old ways of our thinking. We're going to have to replace our old thoughts with new thoughts. And the only way we do that is through the Word of God. Ephesians 4 says this, and I close. It says, this I say therefore, in verse number 17, and testify in the Lord. This is the Apostle Paul telling the believers at Ephesus, he says, I testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity or the usefulness, uh, uh, wasting, wastedness, or it's, it's not even useful, he's saying, in their mind. Verse 18, he says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But notice what he says. He says, but guys, you didn't learn that. That's not what you learned. Look at verse 20. He says, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off. 
That means to get rid. That means to lose, to, to demolish. He says, get rid of it. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation or conduct of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. If we're going to be like silly putty, then why not? Why not make the decision once and for all? Quit playing with Jesus. He's not playing. He wasn't playing when he went to the cross and he died for our sins. Why not press up against Jesus? Why not start to allow the Word of God to transform us, to renew our minds so that when we go out of this place throughout the week, we're not lifting up Battlefield Baptist Church. We're not lifting up Pastor Greg. You're not lifting up your family name. You're lifting up Jesus. This is what we need to do. This is what I'm begging you to do. If you're watching or you're here in this room and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, can I lovingly say this? Until you know Jesus, you will never, ever, ever have the mind of Christ. You can talk about Jesus. You can uh, theoretically get some intellectual learning about Jesus. But until you understand who He is and what He has done for you, until you receive Him as the Lord and Savior of your life, you will never, ever appropriate that mind of Christ and so if you're in this room and you've never trusted Jesus, do yourself a favor. It's not even do me a favor, it's do yourself a favor. Don't walk out these doors without knowing Jesus. Without saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And I'm thankful that you are that. And that you have redeemed me. Trust Christ. But if you're a believer here today, then I'm going to challenge you. And really, you might say this message was really geared to, toward challenging believers, I want to challenge you this week to lose your mind. Lose your mind. And maybe it's been a long time coming for some of you. Lose your mind and let it begin to be replaced with the mind of Christ. Let it be renovated. Let your mind be renewed and renovated with the Word of God. This week, as we prepare for our missions revival, I want to encourage you to read up I want to encourage you to pray up. I want to beg you to be ready, please, to show up on Friday. Don't come up with some excuse and be like, I can't, I can't, I got a basketball game I got to go to. No, there are no basketball games. There are no football games that are more important than Jesus. Be ready to show up next week. And to be honest, next Sunday, next Sunday, like I said, I very rarely ask this church to do a lot. But next Sunday, I'm asking you not only this week to read up, pray up, be ready to show up, but I'm asking you to stand up and step out in faith. I'm asking you to stand up and step out in faith. Because you know what? Without churches like Battlefield Baptist Church supporting ministries and missionaries all around the world, guess what they have to do? They have to come home. Because they thrive on our prayer support, and our financial support to carry the gospel to the uttermost part of the world. And so I'm asking you, like never before, in 2020, I understand it's been a crazy year, but if we're going to see God do great and mighty things, which we know it's not, then we're going to have to exercise faith. We're going to have to lose our mind. Let it be replaced with the mind 
of Christ. By the way, what was the result? You remember the first passage we read? What was the result of old Stephanus and his family? You know, Paul said they were addicted to ministry. I want to read you verse 17 and 18, and I close. This is what Paul said. He said in verse 17, I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaicus, for that which was lacking on your part. He's talking about the lack that was on the part of the church. He says they have supplied. Notice verse 18. For they, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. You see, God uses people when they lose their mind in a biblical way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the goodness of the day to be in your house. And certainly, Lord, we thank you for how you've met with us, not only today, but in the past. Lord, we look forward to what you're going to do in the days ahead. And certainly, we're thankful for the work that has begun to repair and renovate the spaces, ministry spaces here at this church. Lord, I'm thankful for, this, for the fact that you have allowed this church to be a beacon of your light for 40 years. For 40 years, the gospel has gone out of this place. Missionaries have been sent around the world. Full-time Christian servants are now serving in a number of places around the world. Lord, we thank you for that testimony. We thank you for your goodness and your power that made that possible. Lord, I'm asking you again, just like we sang that song last week, I'm asking you again to do it again, Lord. Do it again. Show up. Show up and do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Lord, because we know that you do that through the power that works in us. And that power is your son, Jesus. Lord, I pray for those that are here that may have never called upon the name of the Lord, those that are watching that may have never called upon the name of the Lord, I pray that today they would lose their mind, so to speak. That they would, by faith, trust in the risen Savior of the world for the forgiveness of their sin. That they would make that decision to invite Jesus to come into their life simply by praying and asking Jesus to forgive them. God, I pray that you would begin to change their lives from the inside out. That you would begin to renew their minds. Lord, for those of us who are here that are believers, Lord, I pray that you'll do what only you can do, that you'll help us to lose our mind, that we'll not be concerned with the, the whims and the ways of what's going on. Certainly, we need to pay attention to what's going on in our culture. We need to stand up for what's right. We need to be biblical in our philosophies and in our speech and in our actions. God, I pray that you'll, you'll do the work We'll just be the vessels that you flow through. God, as we prepare our hearts this week for missions, we've got missionaries coming in from all around the world. God, I pray that you would encourage them, that you give them safety of travel. God, that we would be that church once again that would say, hey, listen, we're going to do what only you can do through us, Lord. We're going to step out by faith. Lord, I pray that you would use us not only to encourage our missionaries, God, that, you'd that you would use us to do more, that we wouldn't be satisfied, that we would, so to speak, get this addiction for ministry. 
Lord, that you would be honored and glorified by all that will take place in the coming week. Lord, I love you. I thank you for these people that have come today. I pray that you would have your hand of blessing, your hand of protection on them. God, that you would continue to bring others back to your house. God, that we might see your house full once again. Lord, we love you and we thank you and praise you for all that you do. For it's in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake that we pray and ask you to be with us. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.